0: You are listening to the Chef John podcast. I'm Andres Gravani.
1: And I'm Chef John, the actual butter on this toast.
0: It's good to be back with you today. I've been thinking a lot about French fries and ketchup. Mm. I was at this restaurant with my family over the weekend and I had the most fantastic French fries. And of course, you know, what are French fries without ketchup? And it made me think of something that you told me recently about those two very ingredients. And I, I thought maybe it would be an interesting introduction to a story that I know that you have told and, and tell very well. And I'm excited to share
1: it with this audience. Well, thank you very much. I love to tell this story because speaking of intros, it actually has to do with my intro to the entire career of cooking, which I originally did because I thought it was kind of cool. You got to say behind the scenes. I was, I've always, I was very much an introvert growing up. And you know that there was a job that you were kind of in this vibrant, kind of showtimey atmosphere, but you got to like hide away, like stage crew, basically. Um, that kind of appealed to me. I didn't. I just. I. I didn't like. I didn't under, even understand how servers, not that we called them that back then, but how they even did that, like dealing with the people. I just. I really liked the the cave, you know, back in the back, back of the kitchen. And since I was usually in the dish station, I was like in the back of the back's back. <laughs> You're out in the back in, the, in behind the restaurant. I'm at, I'll actually start with the ketchup part of this story first, even though I usually go with the fries first and then you worry about the condiments. But uh, anyway, one of my first jobs was at a racetrack, Finger Lakes racetrack. What kind like horses or dog? Thoroughbred. Yeah. Actual horses. Full blown. Yeah. It was like poor man Saratoga. I might not order a steak at that place. You know, they were f- very affordable. <laughs> I think the horses were safer on there. But anyway, my uh, friend's aunt owned the food service contract for this backstretch restaurant, which serviced the jockeys and the owners. And you had to be in the back track, like you not open to the public. You had to work there or do horses there. Do horses there. I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. So anyway, one of, my, one of my first weeks on the job, I'm you know happily working in the back in the dish station, and uh what the heck was her name mary i think it was aunt mary but i'm gonna have to confirm that but anyway she asked me to go out to clean something up in the in the dining room and you know there was only one table left these guys used to play poker after hours while we would break down the kitchen friends of hers and anyway uh not crazy about going out into the public but you know no big deal uh i'm uh, probably 14 15 at the time anyway i clean up whatever i was supposed to clean up and i turn around And on the table that they're playing poker at, they're eating burgers or were, and I bottle of ketchup and I hit it with the end of the mop um, and I knock the ketchup bottle off the table and it splatters into a thousand pieces. And I don't know if anyone's ever done that on a tile floor, but there is nothing harder or more annoying or more time consuming to clean up than a broken full ketchup bottle. So anyway, of course these guys are laughing their ass off and I'm completely embarrassed. You know, I would have been halfway awkward just doing clean in front of them. Now I spilled it right at their feet and they're all having a great time with me. So it just takes forever to clean up, which I'm sure seemed way longer than it really was. It probably was like maybe seven, eight minutes, but seemed like two hours. Anyway, I, find, I finally finished, and I got to picking the little glass glasses with my hands, getting no help from these guys. In fact, I'm getting the, hey, I think you missed a piece. Hey, is this a little, I think a little bit of ketchup splattered on Jim's boot, like that kind of stuff. Anyway, I finally finish, clean up. I'm about to slink away, and I pick up the mop and the bucket, whatever I was using, rag I was using to clean with, and I turn around, and I knock a ketchup bottle off the next table. <laughs> And the exact same thing happens. It smashes into a million pieces, same splatter pattern, and they just lost it. And I like, what do you do? I'm already dying. And now I have to do the exact same thing. Uh, This time, it seemed like it took maybe three hours to clean it up. And so I have to go like, (laughs) start the whole process over. Uh, Anyway, maybe in hindsight, uh, maybe that slowly but surely started me being like slightly less uncomfortable being out on the floor. "Quote unquote."
0: While this is going on, are you like interfacing with them at all? I know they're giving you the they're giving you the business.
1: No, I'm looking. I'm looking straight down and uh, like doing the polite chuckle, like self-effacing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. You know, I'm not. I'm not talking with them. I'm not telling them to like, you know, shut the hell up and get back to your poker game. Uh, by the way, Joe's you know, got cards in his sleeve. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to. I figure if I just ignore them they'll just run out of one-liners and I'll just keep going.
0: And how'd you make out with that?
1: And to be honest, the, I think the last half of the second cleanup was mostly strategizing about where any additional ketchup bottles on other tables were, because I was not going to do this. I was not going to break the. I think I tied the world's record. I'm sure someone's done that twice, but no one's done it three times. No, no one's broken that. No, so I was extremely careful. And of course, they're going like, hey, careful. Careful. Watch your back. Oh, I think you're good. Good on the left. Good on the left. Anyway, I, I I slunk away back to the dish station after my two ketchup bottle experience.
0: Did it come out of your pay?
1: It did not come out of our pay. Uh, Mary was very, very nice. Uh, she was a, a benevolent uh, owner and paid in cash, which was always nice for a teenager who wanted to, to fly under the radar. Yeah, so much for flying under the radar there. I mean... Yeah. So anyway, then later later on, I uh, I made my debut on the hotline with an emergency stuffing uh, situation. But uh, uh, you know, slowly but surely, that that job I kind of got a little more comfortable being around people while I worked. I was okay in the friend situation, you know. But this was like you know, your first couple jobs. You're kind of figuring out the whole social skill of the workplace. It's much different than a classroom or the playground. It's like you're getting paid and. People expect you to do things, and there's customer. The customer's always right. Like the first time you hear that, and you know, showing up on time.
0: Did your, um, your colleagues know what was going on?
1: No, I was the only one there at that point.
0: Oh, so you escaped the worst part of that because if your colleagues had known about that, then you would have been ribbed for the rest of the days in that kitchen. No, no, it
1: was just it was just her and maybe. One other. Did you ever see those guys again? Oh, they were in there every day. They were in there every day. You
0: were ketchup guy
1: for the rest of your life there. It's funny you mentioned that. I did not get a nickname at that point. Wow. And now, you know, and you know, especially in Western New York, nickname is a big thing. You have to like earn the nickname. Mm -hmm. You never get to pick. It's always slightly insulting yet completely (laughs) accurate. (laughs) I figured it was almost an insult that I didn't get a nickname. Like you, I didn't really earn a nickname yet. Like I would have had to do a couple more ketchup drops, or like fall in the ketchup, and I would have been like ketchup ass or something.
0: Yeah, what, yeah. What would a good ketchup name be? I mean, trying to figure that one out. Heinze? Yeah.
1: Was <laughs> it I wonder. It, no, it's probably some off-brand like Hunts. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, not even the worst imitation of ketchup. Yeah, like Fun's ketchup, like a sort of a knockoff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. With like a picture of a tomato on the label, so you knew what you were getting into. Ketchup
0: in general interests me because there is that brand loyalty thing that people have with Heinz, right? Because nobody's really been able to imitate that in any kind of meaningful way. But I did see something and then read up on where ketchup actually comes from. Because I was curious as to like, where does this name come from?
1: Is it like a chutney?
0: No, you know, it's interesting in that the word is Chinese, right? It's like ketchup you know, like, and it actually means fish sauce. So the original ketchup, I guess, you know, sailors in the 16th century had encountered this condiment that they were putting on everything in Southeast Asia. And they wanted to go back home and figure out like, oh, well, we love this stuff, how do we make it, right? So originally ketchup was made with mushrooms and, you know, fish heads and weird stuff to get that flavor. And then they finally settled in on tomatoes, somewhere around 1800s, right? They figured out how to make it with tomatoes. But, you know, the idea of ketchup originally being fish sauce, and now, of course, with international cuisine, we cook with fish sauce all the time. At the end of the day, dip your fries in some fish sauce.
1: (laughs) As you told that story, I'm picturing a a really inebriated cook back in the 16th century (laughs) uh, who's out of fish heads, and he's... (laughs) slurs and asks his buddy what else can we use the guys like a tomato because it's so similar to a fish head yeah um, one's an animal and, and the other is a plant that t- tastes nothing like the fish head uh or smells or feels or acts like it culinarily right. so i can see uh well, th- that was just seemed like a natural like that's brilliant why didn't i think of it? let's go let's go tomato no, I always, uh, I have to defend my ketchup use. It has, you know, it's looked down upon in certain certain circles uh, that I'm not involved in, but I hear about these circles. Um, and, you know, it really is, there are similar concoctions around the world. They're just not called, you know, kept on the same reputation, like a tomato chutney. Yeah. Call it a salsa and it's fine. You know, it's, it's like a sweet and sour sauce. It's like, it's, it's like so many legit things people have no problem eating. Right. But for some reason, if you ask for ketchup at the fancy restaurant. Oh, yeah. Committed some kind of crime against humanity. I've never quite understood the, the prejudice. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess on a certain level, covering up super mediocre food with an inch of it, uh, you know, maybe that's where it got that kind of
0: reputation.
1: Yeah. But uh, no, I've always been pro-ketchup. And, you know, I've had the, the, the mayo ketchup fries argument. You know, Michelle is more of a, she likes an aioli. She'll do an aioli, mayonnaise-based sauce over ketchup pretty much any time. And I remember one time, I forget what bar it was. We were having our little uh, married couple, like what's better, ketchup or mayo on these twice-cooked Belgian-style fries. And the person next to us is like, I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to break this tie. The best thing to dip French fries in, by far, is Dijon mustard. Oh, And we're like, wait a minute. Are you kidding? He's like... So the bartender brings over a little side cup of, of Dijon and Michelle absolutely falls in love with it. I mean, it works. It's, you know, bracing and acidic and sharp. It's it, you know, totally works with a crispy, fatty fried thing. Um, I will always go back to the sweetness of the ketchup. To me, that's the payoff. You get the tangy, you get the sweet, savory. Uh, so anyway, that was the first time I ever saw Dijon is a, is a condiment for fries, and it actually works better than one might think.
0: Well, you know, the French fry debate that rages on, we are you know, stuck in the mentality of calling them French fries. Now, of course, the Belgians would have something to say about that. But again, fried potatoes are cultural like all over the world, right? I mean, and then of course, different experiences with French fries in different parts of the country or different parts of the world,
1: and how many different parts of that world actually know why they're called French fries? Right. It has absolutely nothing to do with a culture or a, no. a race of people. It's the knife they're cut with. It's a French knife. Is that true? That's absolutely why they're called French fries. Because hmm. they're Frenched, They're cut in those sticks.
0: Huh. I don't know. I have a feeling that might be another one of those internet stories.
1: Really? That they taught me in culinary school?
0: Well, what what the Belgians believe about French fries is the reason they're called French is that even though they invented them, the French culinary etymology sort of em- that enveloped Belgium, you know, because people didn't know the difference between Belgian food and French food, that they basically just called them French because they assumed anything that came out of Belgium was French.
1: Hmm. I'm going to have to research this now. This is one of like one of the first uh, lectures in culinary school that where I got that tidbit of information, it was a, a lecture about, believe it or not, McDonald's fries. Hmm. It was like M- McDonald's, it, it, your first like couple weeks of culinary school they use as like an example of consistency and uh, order of process and, you know, organization. They're like, we know no one wants to do McDonald's here. You're in culinary school, but we're going to take some of the best practices and apply. It to-. So, you know, kind of made sense to start with that. Anyway, I think it was like a big, McDonald's food nerd research, you know, research guy. And he went on and on about the fry, how they did it in the beef tallow and, you know, Well,
0: the oil part is interesting, right? Because yes. the oil part is tied into the history because they, they said in, in this deep kind of analysis of where these things could have come from and when were these things invented, right? They basically eliminated certain parts in history because they said nobody would waste that much fat, Exactly. To cook something. Right. D- d- you know, s- uh, swimming Side in a dish. The fat was too valuable to be doing it like that. So why would you do that to just make potatoes? So um, I think the, the world has settled on around the 1680s is about where the first French fry, French fry, you know, air quotes um, appeared. But there's still a whole lot of fighting over like who actually is responsible for the first Dropping of the basket into the oil. Certainly not the kid from your story. He he did. He doesn't factor into this.
1: What's the saying uh, history? Is written by the winners. That's right. Uh, so they're French fries because that's what they're called now.
0: I guess, except in the early 2000s, where in the U.S. Uh, the, <laughs> the conservatives decided that freedom fries were going to work for us. Instead yes. Of fries. Remember that one?
1: Yeah, I remember when they when they canceled French fries. Yeah, canceled French
0: fries. Well, we won't be canceling French fries.
1: No. Ironically, they could cancel us, but we'll see. We'll see.
0: The other story that is related to our theme of ketchup and fries is your fry story, which I'm, I'm always, I always find interesting because at one point in my life, which lasted about three days, uh, I was the fry guy at Wendy's.
1: Well, yeah, this story is definitely about French fries, but mostly it's about stubbornness and hubris of thinking you're you can teach someone anything by just simply keep describing it differently until they get it. So I was a uh, uh, the executive sous chef at the Carnegie Room, gigantic kitchen. Like it took you a, a while to walk from one end of the floor to the other. Just a you know big big building, fifty second floor. I think we pretty much had the entire floor other than the dining area, uh, kitchen, banquet room, all the the whole nine yards. So anyway, we had uh, one of the manager's sons. I couldn't have been more than 15 was supposed to do some kind of high school extern internship type thing, work at a, whatever, work at a place. And so the dad's like, you think he could work a couple, you know, so fine. Do, do, do him a favor. Um, so, you know, you got to give him the easiest possible gig. So, you know, I'm like, you're going to help do the side dish for the family meal. So-and-so is making this so-and-so is making a salad. All I want you to do is go do the fries. So we show them, walk them over, fries are in the freezer, fryer, temperature gauge. Uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> we usually cook them about five, six minutes, give, give them the particulars. Um, so-and-so will tell you when this stuff's getting close. Don't do them too early, but uh, you know, try time it where they basically just come out and you're salting them and uh, the rest of the, the meal is ready. So uh, the fry station's all the way around the – Back corner of the kitchen, it's kind of out of the way. I figured no one's going to be seeing the guy. He's going to be—he'll be cool there. Anyway, he wa- he walks into the office. I don't know how long later, and says, uh, "Chef, uh, did everything you said? French fries are not getting brown. They—they look—they pretty much look the same." I'm like, you know what? Sometimes if the oil's new, you don't get a really deep browning yet. Give him a couple more minutes; should be fine. Thanks for checking in. Very busy here in the office. Uh, You'll you'll be good. Make it work. Anyway, two minutes later, back now. Chef, something's up. I can tell they're not. They're just not getting brown. Um, Check temperature, three seventy-five. How long has it been? About eight nine minutes. I was like, that's super weird. Um, So go back and check this. Fryer might be broken (laughs) though. Yeah. Do you feel like yeah? Is it hot underneath? Can you yeah? I hear the gas. I hear. You know, you can feel the heat coming off the oil and, uh, Hmm, weird. So now I have to resign myself. I have to get up now. I failed as a, an instructional giver. Yeah, if you
0: want something done right,
1: you know? So anyway, we walk all the way to the back. Of course it's the farthest thing away from the, where I am. So we weave our way back to the fry station and he did everything perfectly. The oil's perfect. 375, the fry amount. Perfect. Two quarts in each basket. Uh, Everything was just absolutely perfect, except the lever that lowers the baskets into the oil. Uh, he missed that one small detail. Now, admittedly, I probably glossed over that because it seems like everyone instinctively, you're born knowing that the fries actually need to go into the oil. But in fairness, it's kind of a you've seen the big industrial fries, It's kind of a deep well and the baskets are like right over the oil and it already looks like I guess they're in a cooking type environment. Like, I, I don't know. It looks like
0: it. you're giving him a lot of credit. And I am giving him but a lot he, of credit. This was
1: literally the first time he saw a kitchen, like didn't cook with mom. Didn't what, like he, that was his thing. Like, I didn't know, don't know anything about cooking. I just, that's why I chose this. You know, my dad's a manager. I just thought I wanted to kind of see the, you know, I've heard so much about the, you know, how busy and bustling this is. And so he had some good reasons for wanting to be there. Just absolute zero skills. Um, Clearly they never cook French fries at home and he only got them out of a drive-thru where I guess you wouldn't know how that, how those happen. Uh, Or, you know, a lot of people, you know, bake their fries, they get a bag of Varita. They're not firing up deep fryer. You're just throwing them in the oven. So I, I'm going to give them a little slack, but uh, but it was quite the mystery for those, however many minutes after the three times he's coming back and everything I'm asking him, it's like checking out. And I'm like, Something is just those have to be getting brown by now. (laughs) If the oil's hot,
0: I would be curious to see if you let them hover there for however long, you know, like how long would it really take? Like,
1: yeah, that's true. That probably, yeah, probably the bottom ones would just get a little like he was
0: a slow cooker, he was like into slow
1: cooking. But you know what? But you know what? He uh would kind of trick him a little bit. You know, the little ice particles Mm -hmm. as as the heat underneath those start dripping, so he could hear frying, he could hear the. Yeah. Crackling and it sounded like something was happening. So I guess we'll give him even more slack. Uh he once he poured the I could see once he poured the fries in the baskets, you hear the you know the sizzle from underneath, and he he probably was like checked his temperature, set the timer, and it was like, dude, dude, this is going perfectly. Huh? The kid thought he was killing it. After about three or four minutes, he probably was like, Yeah, the scene, they still are so white and pale i better go check with the chef and of course i'm just like slammed as usual in a place that big i'm like dude uh you'll be fine just go back i just thought he was impatient like you know they're gonna be good don't worry just wait for the and he's like no they're not they're not cooking it they're just not getting brown it's like all
0: right i wonder what happened to him like what like where did he what did he become
1: did not become a line cook i'm pretty sure uh that is a good question
0: has he ever revisited his experience with the fryer?
1: I'll just assume he, uh, he grew up and, and started some kind of social media platform. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's,
0: he's like, a, he's an Instagrammer now.
1: Statistically, I have a pretty good chance of that being right. Absolutely, no question.
0: Staying with our theme, ketchup and french fries. I, I kind of feel like we need to end with an outrageous sort of take on ketchup or french fries. For me, uh, ketchup, I have to like harken this back to like even where I come from, from a food perspective is the New York Times. I've actually heard somebody from the New York Times talk about people who put ketchup on their eggs as sort of stunted in their development, like they're still children. And I, I take high offense to this because I love to put ketchup on my eggs. And now, of course, every time I do it, it's in the back of my mind that somebody at the New York Times thinks I'm being a
1: child. I feel the same way. I, I will put, no problem, squeezing a beautiful drizzle of ketchup over a freshly made frittata. I'm with you. Perfect garnish, just to write them on a little sweet kick. Uh, I, I don't have any problem. Like I'll do hot sauce sometimes, I'll do an aioli. I got a rotation. Uh, and I do, and, and they're all equal to me. I don't, I don't think like I'm slumming with the ketchup, or I'm like, you know, I hope no one's watching, or where's my, where's my, my fake mustache glasses disguise that makes me look like the exact same person.
0: So I need to just get over this, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, you're, you got better, you got more important things to worry about.
0: I'm feeling I, I have to get out from under my my oppression of feeling childish for eating ketchup with my eggs.
1: Yes, no, you should stop doing it. It is embarrassing, but you feel bad about it.
0: I want to also bring something else up. So we've talked about French fries and we've talked about ketchup and we've talked a lot about putting ketchup on French fries, right? And we also put ketchup on other iterations of potato, right? We put ketchup on on baked potato. Some I guess some, some people I mean I mean like oven baked or oven roasted potatoes. That's okay. But but then there are the people who put ketchup on mashed potatoes. And apparently this is a thing. And I think fundamentally I say, I don't have a problem with this because you put ketchup on other potato
1: products. So I wonder if you have a taste. I do. I have a huge problem with that and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I have a feeling. I had a feeling. Because when you apply ketchup to a beautifully browned Belgian fry or you swipe a even a you know, half-assed, half-assed, in and out burger fry, the world's most overrated fry. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, yeah, no. We'll talk. We'll fight about that later. Oh, oh! You swipe those through ketchup. The ketchup is attaching itself to that crispy fried gelatinized starch surface. Inside, you still have potato. You still have mashed potato. You still have the fluffy. That's right. Grain of the potato. Okay. So that is still un, you know, unketchuped if you will.
0: What happens when you double dip?
1: Still, we're talking surface area. (laughs) Do you gnaw the fry in half lengthwise like some kind of woodchuck? No. You You dip it and you bite and you have a small surface area and then you dip in. I mean, recent made up studies have proven that you dip into the dip four to five times the, the, you know, the diameter of the bite mark on the edge of the fry. That's just science. So you're getting a lot of ketchup to the outside. Ketchup on a crispy outside fried thing is totally good because you have still have the, uh, unadulterated potato on the inside. Mashed potato, however, has no such protective caramelized, crispy, uh, gelatinized fried crispy coating. It is just the soft innards and it's like you have no, there's no transition. There's no textural uh, textural foil to make the ketchup work with a puree of a potato.
0: Wow, that, I mean, I had no idea.
1: I've given this minutes and minutes of thought.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna flip it back on you and I'm gonna use one of your own phrases. If you're like your mashed potatoes with your ketchup, And you take that forkful and you put it in your mouth. No matter what Chef John says, you got to remember what Chef John says. Fork don't
1: lie. That is true. I've said that a million times. Fork don't lie. But fork also doesn't always tell you the truth. (laughs) No, I I know what you're saying. If someone likes it, knock yourself out.
0: That's where I'm headed.
1: I'm the last person in the world to slap a fork out of someone's hand at a diner. (laughs) Because they're going into some... Even maybe instant mash, which maybe is more appropriate.
0: Oh, we're treading on all sorts of dangerous territory here. For me,
1: culinarily, decision-making-wise, I think that's why if you see someone putting it on uh, a lump of mashed potato or squeezing it over a potato soup, I would have more of a problem viscerally with the reaction like, ooh, that's not going to be good. But philosophically... Philosophically... I'm down with almost anything as long as you like enjoy eating it. I'm not, you know, you see, that's one thing about the food biz. Um, it's everybody's er, everyone's right and wrong about every one of those subjective, you know, does this work with this or was that too salty or not? It's like, was it like you tell me that's the right answer. No one can prove you're wrong. You can't prove I thought it needed more sugar. Like you're, you're good. You're, you have 100% accuracy. And now you've heard it. You've heard it from Chef John.
0: If you like it, it's all good, because the fork don't lie. Just don't eat in front of us.